0: This podcast is part of the Paris Fintech Forum Communities Programme and is brought to you with the support of BPI France. You're listening to the Fintech Podcast, the show that goes deep into the stories, the successes and failures that went into creating some of the world's most fantastic fintechs. Gotkin, and in this episode, how Yoshi Yokokawa is enabling the world to have Robin hood style access to financial markets and crypto, and why the Alpaca co-founder and CEO feels the furry camel cousin best symbolizes this ambition.
1: You know, I felt that uh, the name has to be very upset from the very technical perspective, because like, you know, the, the deep tech sounds pretty cold. So, uh, so we decided to, you know, kind of go around like animals and fruits and when we were driving around the woodside in the bay area where like a lot of rich people live we found like you know 30 40 like alpacas as pets roaming around in someone's house i was like wow this is a symbol of wealth so we decided to go with the uh, name alpaca uh to make sure that it's very warm and approachable
0: yoshi yokokawa co-founder and ceo of alpaca thanks so much for joining me on the fintech podcast Thank you for inviting me. It's a a very much honor to be here. And you're uh, over there in in Tokyo. How how are things there?
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm in uh, Kyoto, Japan, but I work in California hours. So I still feel like, you know, I'm in California. Uh, You know, things are getting a little bit looser. So it's always good uh, to have the uh, people walking around.
0: Right. Great. Well, uh, why don't you uh, start off by telling us a bit more about Alpaca?
1: Sure. Uh, uh, We're uh, Alpaca. We're building API for uh, Commission free stock and uh, crypto trading. Uh, we've been working with uh, uh, both algorithmic, al- algorithmic traders as well as the apps and services who want to implement investing services into their services and applications.
0: Okay, so it's like a white label trading platform that anyone can integrate into their own apps or. Um,
1: that that or is not. correct. Uh, you know, people have been building in a way like you know Robinhood in different country versions into implementing. Uh, uh, investing services into the existing, you know, fintech applications like you know, banking and lending products like that.
0: Okay, so look, uh, I lived in Peru for a year uh, almost twenty years ago, so I know a, I know a thing or two about alpacas. Uh, so I'm curious to know what your uh, kind of fascination is with uh, with this uh, particularly furry cousin of the camel. Of course.
1: Uh, so our story may be probably like you know much uh, lower attached to. The person who was in Peru for 20 years but uh, you know we we were initially uh, building a database company uh, very much deep tech uh, using you know neural nets and uh, uh pro distributed database and stuff like that and you know I felt that uh, the name has to be very opposite from the very technical perspective because like you know the the deep tech sounds pretty cold so uh, so we decided to you know kind of go around like animals and fruits and when we were driving around the woodside in the bay area where like a lot of rich people live we found like you know 30 40 like alpacas as pets roaming around in someone's house i was like wow this is a symbol of wealth so we decided to go with the uh, name alpaca uh, to make sure that it's very warm and approachable
0: Wow. Well, I I I know I used to have an alp. I, I still do actually. I have a very nice alpaca jacket. Oh wow! Um, that uh, that uh, I, I wear on the on the odd occasions, on the odd days in the year when it gets a bit chilly here. Um, <laughs> so uh, so um, tell me tell me a bit more about the growth that you've seen this past year or two. Has it been pretty explosive as we've seen with so many fintechs?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like it's been very much exciting, um, you know, journey and time for us as well. Um, I think like you know one you know, obviously, like, you know, markets expanded, but at the same time, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, entrepreneurs and founders are coming from different sectors of the tech and different industries are coming into the fintech and wanted to build, like, you know, new ways to interact with money globally. And, you know, we're very happy to be involved in many projects like that. And, you know, I think you know, that is very much exciting part. Um, And of course, like, you know, market continues to go up and uh, creates volatility sometimes, but like, you know, that always gives us, you know, a lot of attention as well. So I think like in both, uh, you know, directions that has been helping us to grow very, very fast.
0: Can you share any numbers uh, in that respect, like a kind of doubling or a tripling or volumes, for example? Sure, sure.
1: Uh, That's, uh, uh, yeah, like, you know, I think, I think like, you know, for, like, I need to come up with like exact numbers, but you know we've been we've been seeing like for example like we started this uh, new product like end of last year to uh, allow services and apps to you know start building applications like basically white labeling product like we we did not have anyone at all like beginning of this year but now we we already have like you know uh, 50 applications you know uh, launched and live uh, basically like you know white label versions of you know, some form of investing application. So it's really going from zero to 15, very short amount of the time. uh, That has been like really, really amazing for us to see.
0: Okay. And I guess, uh, I think in August you raised $50 million. I'm guessing that money was partly to help build out this, this new offering that you have. Definitely.
1: And uh, um, you know, it it does come with a lot of, uh, you know, heavy lifts because we take all the custody uh you know compliance uh you know AML and everything you know from my from our back end so um you know a lot of work that has been going behind the scene even though we try to make it uh you know our product to be like you like financial services related we want to stay as like pure tech you know uh branding so by reality we do a lot of a lot of heavy lifts so that you know the money has been putting into hiring the right people in the you know right brokerage operations compliance uh, you know, those things
0: has been very much boosted up on our side. And just to be clear, this is mainly hires in, in California, is it? Which is where where the company is based.
1: Yeah, so our company is actually based in uh, uh, Slack and Zoom now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so we we actually have like you know people across the globe. Uh, you know, I'm physically located in, in you know Kyoto, Japan. Uh, you know, my co-founder is uh, in the you know Bay Area, uh, but you know the, our team is really uh, across the globe in all the time zones. Uh, to really provide 24-7 support to our clients and users as well.
0: Right, that obviously helps in markets where talent is of a premium. You can basically hire the best people wherever they are in the world and perhaps even, you know, uh, a slightly better economics uh, for yourself as a company. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, like, you know, for our business, uh, you know, we interact a lot with uh, uh,
1: different type of clients from across the globe. So, like, you know, we work with, like, you know, clients in Africa to Europe to Southeast Asia Latin. And of course, USA, North America as well. But in order for us to really understand what's going on, you know, we need to have a members uh, who's working at Alpaca, who's also in those geographies and in the cultures so that, you know, we can be very much empathetic to what's going on and like, you know, interact with and, you know, try to create a better service. So um, that's also our kind of vision to continue to scale our organization in that way.
0: And I think you've also gotten into crypto trading now as well, I think you were saying. Um, I read this wonderful line about how Robinhood got in its last uh, earnings report, got 40% of its cryptocurrency transaction revenue uh, in the third quarter. This was from a Dogecoin. Basically, uh, so and Matt Levine, the columnist at Bloomberg, quipping that that's a thirty billion dollar public company getting eight percent of its revenues from its Dogecoin division. Do you see similar trends? Is it now because you're 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 at the kind of epicenter of uh, of this frenzy over this? uh How do I pronounce this dog? It's a Japanese uh, Shiba Shiba Inu, right? This Shiba-ine, is a Japanese right? dog, right? Yeah. So maybe you're even more familiar with that creature than than alpacas themselves. But but I mean, do you see similar trends like kind of? Uh, big boost to uh, to the crypto trading side of things from these coins which let's say um uh, are a bit faddish perhaps or perhaps weren't um you know intended to be taken seriously definitely i i think that's going to be the
1: future right uh and i think like we've already seen this in the regular u.s stock market as well how each of the stock has became mem stocks um and a lot of uh you know the game stop and everything uh, and I think, like you know, just people don't really care if it's U.S. stocks or if it's crypto or if it's NFTs, as long as it's tradable and you know easy to use. I feel like you know people will, you know, try to put the money into it.
0: Is this a a good thing? I mean, we talk about about a lot about democratizing, you know, finance, allowing everybody to take part, whether they want to buy options or whether they want to buy meme stocks or different cryptocurrencies and the like. But is this really a uh, good that you you're kind of part of? this you know this new wave of apps that are enabling people to make financial decisions that at the very least are a bit speculative and perhaps at worst are, are a little bit foolish that's a very good question
1: and uh i think like we think about this a lot and there's a word uh always like you know democratizing you know finance or financial freedom but in my humble opinion i think it has to firstly come with access uh you know if you don't have access you even don't are not in the group of the people who can really even talk about or think about it's a def- decision of democratization or freedom. So I think like, you know, our job is really firstly focusing on releasing and unleashing the access to the uh, you know, basically 7.8 billion persons on the planet uh, uh, for the financial services access that you know, Americans have. And that has been like really uh, coming from my background, originally from Japan, you know, being in the U.S., you know, it's a completely different ballgame in terms of the accessibility that, you know, I, you know, realized compared to when I was in Japan to, you know, I was in the U.S. So really, like, you know, providing that to everyone first is the first job of ours that we have to do. And I think there's a, you know, a lot of, you know, discussions, like you said, is a really good thing to provide, like, you know, too easy access. And I think it becomes more of the, of course, education and, like, you know, support system around there. Um, and I think, like you know, our, our job specifically, what we want to do is, firstly, let's focus on providing access, and then let's think about that.
0: But forgive me, is is providing everybody the same access that everyone has, let's say on Robinhood or or what have you, is that is that a good thing? I mean, providing people with access means they can immediately, before perhaps they've got the understanding or the education. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to patronize investors. Obviously, they can put their money wherever they want, but providing this access enables them to get into things which perhaps they shouldn't without you know stricter regulation or i don't know uh, caps on the amount that you can invest in certain things
1: completely agree and that's why like you know i believe that um you know we are really focusing on building the infrastructure layer instead of like you know the app layer um because like money is so global and everyone still deals with it right regardless of if she or he wants to Like you have to make money to buy food and, you know, get services, which means like, you know, you cannot escape from that. And I believe that investing or like, you know, uh, is a a part of that financial cycle of each person's life. And uh, what I've realized is that you cannot really create some service or app that can work for every single person on the planet because language is different. Culture is different. So like, as you said, like, you know, each of the country some assets or some financial services may not be appropriate. And I think that's why you know, we focus on enabling and, and partnering with the uh, you know, founders, entrepreneurs, uh, and the product people who know what would be the best for those uh, community and the people in those cultures. And that's why like, I think that really excites us to be working with different type of the people uh, uh, everywhere uh, so that like, you know, we can really hear from them and listen to them Uh, to make sure that we're building the right infrastructure uh, so that they can build what they need to do.
0: Okay. Well, uh, don't go away, Yoshi. We're going to come back to your story in just a moment, because I just need to remind our listeners that this podcast is part of the Paris FinTech Forum Communities Programme for 2021. And in this special pandemic period, you can enjoy throughout the year top-level live sessions with key industry players, exclusive on-demand interviews such as this one, and use our innovative digital networking capabilities to meet your peers, develop your network, create new business opportunities, and continue to build together the future of the fin and tech industry. And you can find out more at www.parisfintech forum.com uh so yoshi you founded alpaca in 2015 but i appreciate you had a life before that uh you're in japan now you were born and raised in japan as well but i know that your whole career hasn't been J- japan based but maybe you can tell us a bit more about uh kind of growing up in in japan right uh i honestly think that like you know we
1: grew up in the uh, period where japan became completely flat right like you know so that's why for example like if you think about uh, you know uh, how much of the money gets invested into the um, uh, uh, basically investments from the household income wise. I think U.S. Uh, it's like forty percent of the household incomes go to investing, and that uh, Japan is around ten. You know, and uh, you know I don't think it's going to really grow significantly, considering that our generation has not seen any growth in terms of the you know Japanese stock market, and that has been basically traumatized. Uh, you know, how we react in terms to the towards investing as our generation. And I think it's going to change as we see and get exposed to the different types of the markets, for example, U.S. stocks or even crypto market that just, you know, we still see that continue to go up. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to affect like, you know, how the people react to it. But at least uh, from the uh, era that we grew up and I grew up, Uh, I didn't feel that investing is really, uh, you know, part of the thing that I should be involved, honestly, when I went into the career of the investment banking.
0: Right. But I mean, uh, growing up in in Japan uh, was, I mean, tell me a bit more about uh, what life was like uh, for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, I think like
1: growing up in Japan, like it's a very much a hardcore studying and taking a lot of examinations type of the culture. Uh, you know if you fail you're basically fail for life right at least you're threatened to think that way so (laughs) we have to uh, I had to study really hard uh, to get into certain junior high schools and but like you know I decided to kind of escape that route and you know decided to live in the United States for three years uh you know went to high school there and that really allowed me to be a little bit free uh in terms of how you know I can think about my career
0: so forgive me. You, you kind of left home and went to high school in in the US, or your family moved there. What what happened there?
1: Uh, it was like I, I just couldn't take it being that Japanese school system anymore. So I decided to kind of escape from that system to be in the United States.
0: <laughs> but like you ran away, you had your parents' yeah. blessing. How how did that work?
1: Yeah, of course. Like you know, I had some uh, you know of course my parents' blessing. You know, negotiated very hard that you know I don't want to be there anymore. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but like it was a fun experience. Uh, it was a good experience that I had.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, were you a good student in general? I mean, or, or it was just the kind of culture, it was just the kind of mindset in Japan that just didn't fit with your, um, you know... The, your yeah,
1: like, a, yeah, like, I think, like, you know, it's same as, like, in any, probably, like, you know, countries that, um, you know, we are exposed to a lot of, uh, you know, American cultures and American movies and everything. And, you know, Japan specifically, uh, most of the people here don't speak English, right? So, um, you know, that has been very much... Um, to me like very much closed in a way how we can see what's outside and you know like in order for me to really understand what's outside and being able to communicate with more types of the people i had to be able to speak english and you know being the japanese school system really did not prepare me for that so that was really something that i was very much frustrated about as well
0: and what is it your your parents did
1: so my parents are doctors uh and uh you know doctors being doctors in japan you know it's more kind of very different from entrepreneurship or doing something uh yourself right like you know you go to hospitals or like you know you see patients every day and try to figure out things very micro way uh instead of like you know very much you know high level right so that that's the life that i that's the only life
0: that i knew about how to work with adults and you they didn't want you to become a doctor as well you didn't have any ambition to follow in their footsteps
1: yeah. So I, I was initially wanted to be a doctor and, you know, my parents kept pushing me away from me. Ah, don't be doctors. Don't be a doctor.
0: <sighs> well, it's always encouraging when your parents kind of, you know, <laughs> do as I say, don't do it. Don't do as I do kind of thing. Right, right. Um, so, uh, but, but when you were in the States, I mean, you, you became like a model student. Were you uh, a bit rebellious? Were you <laughs> getting into trouble there?
1: no i i think i i did pretty well like i went to uh first year i went to school in uh, new orleans as an exchange student and uh you know two years uh after that first year i went to uh, a boarding school in new jersey called petty school uh you know of course i had to study hard and you know at the same time you kind of have to do also, also like a lot of extra activities right in order to get good grades so uh you know did a lot of varsity sports like you know track and soccer and uh you know did a lot of things but it was really busy but it was really fun
0: okay and so you finish school you uh go to college uh, and then you go into banking um and by the looks of it if, if my dates are correct, you were working in structured finance and alternative products for lehman brothers in the run-up to the financial crisis w- were you dealing with any of the stuff that blew lehman up
1: oh yeah definitely uh uh i was really uh Core of that, uh, I was dealing with the subprime mortgages. I was uh, structuring them and uh, I, you know, at the towards the end, uh, the spread got too tight to just doing subprime asset-backed security. So we went definitely like, you know, went super esoteric, like, you know, repackaging those things into ABS-CDOs, CDO squares, things called like structured investment vehicles, like you know, much more high, high leverage stuff using asset-backed commercial papers. Uh, yeah, like, you know, did a lot of, lot of weird stuff that, <laughs> you know, created, mess in 2008 uh so that was really uh yeah that was really a terrible thing.
0: so so basically the entire global financial crisis whose epicenter was Lehman Brothers we can we can we can pin that on you can we
1: (laughs) yeah yeah sure uh definitely I was a part of that um and uh you know I I didn't know any better and I think like you know that really affected you know my life after that too uh you know things always always get go bust at some point like, you know, bubble never lasts, like it it goes out, you know, and, you know, get broken somewhere at some point, but we just don't know. Like, you know, we've known that it's, you know, going to the bubble state in, you know, at least like, you know, 2005, 2006, housing prices are going crazy. Like, you know, we all knew that Lehman research team was very famous, being very pessimistic about housing price and that, you know, business side, you know, our side, you know, we just pushed harder because in order to win the business, you just need to go aggressive. So, um, you know, people knew about it, but like, you know, we had to play the game and that's the result of, you know, what happened. And so that has been really, you know, gave me the perspective of the, you know, things never last. There's always an end.
0: And did you, I mean, what was the kind of weirdest or craziest thing that happened at that time? Cause we've seen so many films and documentaries, you know, there must've been quite a lot of crazy things going on at that time. Can you perhaps share some of the ones that stick in the memory the most? And if it was the day when you were uh, <laughs> left the building, maybe must be one. But but maybe you can share some some of your experiences.
1: Yeah, I, I think like you know one thing is that when actually you know it like you know we decided to go like the bankrupt right, and then uh, you know after after that months after that bankrupt, like you know probably people don't know much of the story what happened to the Lehman, but like you know a lot of people actually stayed there. Because like, you know, we had to take care and deal with, you know, after like, you know, the mess afterwards, like, you know, talking with the clients, you know, basically very, you know, saying, sorry, like, you know, what happened to the, you know, products that we sold and like, you know, we had to still do the mark to market and, you know, we need to be very much like, you know, taking care of them because even though Lehman's gone, people who's working there still need to continue their lives with their, you know, clients that we had. And the relationships go on, right? Because like we still want to be a part of the industry and we still deal with the people who work in the you know other sides of the farms. So that has been extremely, extremely um, you know, like you know, the I guess stressful. Not 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 to me necessarily because I was not like a sales uh you know person, but like you know, I supported a lot of the you know sales organization at Lehman, and they were extremely having a difficult time maintaining the right relationship and the emotional state because of that. So that was something that I have really have seen and and uh you know felt really you know horrible that like I think like it was really the system thing but like you know we knew like each of us as an indiv- individual kind of knew that this was going to be the case but you know we couldn't do anything about it.
0: Right. I mean how how did you feel uh at the time when all this was going on because i met because I, I think you you left soon after to or you, you went to you were working for numira um and then eventually left banking to to become a day trader i think in chicago but what, what were you you know what were your what was going through your mind when all of this was going on at Lehman? were you just thinking like this is just the worst thing or this will pass were you philosophical were you kind of depressed how were you uh dealing with it i think like you know a
1: lot of people became probably philosophical uh because like you know <laughs> You know, things, just, things that you were believing it, like, you know, that's going to continue forever. but where at least you're trying to force yourself to think that way, it actually didn't last. And so that's really the time that, you know, I just, you know, couldn't be in the industry anymore because like, I felt like, you know, you're doing something to push higher, push higher, push higher. That's just inflation of everything. If you're eating spicy food, you want to eat spicier food. If you're drinking liquor, you want to, you know, even higher degrees of alcohol. It's, you know, the ending is always bad so like you know i've been always kind of thinking about what what is it that that is more stable sta- like kind of stable and sustainable instead of like you know pushing higher is the only way so definitely like i became more s- philosophical to think about what is the life for definitely at that point
0: point. and yet you stayed in finance you, you went to Nimura, as i said uh and then you left banking and you became a day trader in chicago um how, how did you do Yep. So like the reason why I went to Nomura was like Nomura
1: purchased the uh, whole, uh, you know, Asian and the European uh, uh, parts of the Lehman assets. So I was a part of that. And, you know, I respected my boss very much. So I promised that I stay there for one year uh, to basically support him the transition. So af- right after that, I left. Uh, the reason why I became day trader was that, you know, I'm not a software developer or designer, right? I didn't want to be a part of the organization at that point because of what happened to Lehman and, you know, whole banking industry but i didn't know anything like you know i'm not trained to be a computer science person so the only thing that i knew i could do was you know day trading because i was in finance so that is the only reason why that i became a day trader
0: and did you do okay did you beat the market did you make money yeah
1: yeah like you know i made money uh uh and like you know i at least like you know sustained my life uh, but it was extremely stressful um you know i didn't think that was really scalable either uh unless like i had a lot of lot of money to play with so that was also the realization I had, I cannot live my, alone. Uh, you know, I I, I want to be working with people and I want to be dealing with the people. And that's also the realization that I had because I went to the extreme of, you know, I hate people. I hate, you know, team. I hate organization to the, you know, being alone really sucks. So I need to square the balance.
0: <laughs> right. And then I think you went, then then you decided to, to found the the forerunner to Alpaca. It was your first startup. Is it Ikkyo Technology? Um. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know when I realized that, like you know, I didn't want to be in really you know the same situation working in the same organization, but I actually enjoyed the life at Lehman where I dealt with very smart people and very driven people with the right uh, kind of drive, and that I really you know uh, had a, a lot of enjoyed. So so like you know when I when I like you know kind of getting tired of the day trading, uh, you know my best friends from college who tend to be most of the now programmers and developers you know hey you know can we do something together because i trust you you know uh, and you know we can be a good team and that's really how we it became about it was really not a startup because we didn't know anything about how to start a startup but we even didn't talk about didn't think about how to build a product so we kind of you know learned hard way by doing a lot of uh, consulting you know product and consulting projects so that's when we worked with like yahoo japan and the nintendo uh, you know, big companies. And, you know, at the same time, we felt that we are not really in control of our own destiny or doing something that we wanted to do. But, like, you know, we ended up building this uh, uh computer vision uh platform. Uh, that was when, like, you know, the AI computer, like, deep neural nets was beating the, you know, old uh, uh, technology that coming from, like, Canada. So um we built that system based on that and we sold that to uh Kyocera Group in Japan.
0: And then Alpaca... I think came along next and i mean in its current incarnation when and how did that come about and and when, when we sold,
1: like you know computer vision um uh you know company i also felt that i cannot compete against where i have no edge around and doing the computer vision product like you know i because i'm not a developer so i had to sell i have to do sales and marketing and you know i didn't really have a passion for that because i was not you know, like, you know, good or like, you know, specifically, you know, bought into that whole thing. So, you know, the next thing that we we wanted to do was like, how can we apply what we've learned into what I knew about, which was in finance. So that's when we decided to build, um, you know, AI uh, system for uh, capital markets. And that's, you know, when, you know, we started kind of understanding the how financial services work at the core. And what the problem that, you know, we could solve uh,
0: with the technology. And you managed to get um, kind of inducted into the Y Combinator program as well? Yes, yes.
1: And uh, at the same time, like, you know, when we realized the, the whole problem that we wanted to solve, which was the um, programmatic access into the uh, capital markets, that has been extremely terrible. Because we're the ones who's trying to build application on top of that accessibility into the financial services And, you know, what we found was like, what is a fixed API and some weird API documentation that, you know, very extremely difficult for regular tech people to understand. So we were like, oh, we need to solve this, which means like we have to be a developer uh, first uh, brand and the products. And, you know, we knew that Y Combinator is the brand for the developers. So we really wanted to be a part of the Y Combinator because of that.
0: So, so do you think that uh, Alpaca, as it is today, would not have come about without the Y Combinator factor?
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think so. Um, you know, really, Y Combinator gave us the confidence and the brand uh, to be that this is a developer product, not the financial services product. So that's what we want it to be.
0: Okay. And so you've been at it now with Alpaca for, what, the six, uh, six, maybe uh, seven years, uh, six and a half years, let's say. Um any times when the kind of chips were down, when, when you thought this, this just wasn't going to work, did you have any sinking feelings at any point or has it always been kind of straight up and to the right as far as, uh, as this startup goes? So every day is, uh, you know, kind of having both feelings every day, I, I
1: think. Like, you know, that oh, like this is going to going great. And all uh, oh, this, you know, really sucking right now. I, I feel that feelings even every day but but like in you know, a little bit longer term um you know we made a big pivot uh, around 2017 uh when we decided to build what we we're building which is uh, you know API for uh stock trading uh before that we were building you know AI machine learning products uh so when we decided that pivot there was a you know a lot of struggle we had to change around the team uh you know we had to you know sell some of the assets uh you know we had to go through a lot of uh, you know stuff to Become where we are, but like you know, until after that, like you know, it has been pretty straightforward because like we knew the problem needs to be solved, and we knew that like you know we could do it if we really worked hard for it. So like you know, that's that has been something that we've been focusing on. So that has been uh, pretty like that has been easier compared to first like you know couple of years like what's what is the problem that we're trying to solve.
0: But there were no days when you just thought, oh my goodness, this is this is the end or if we don't do this, then this is just not going to work out. I don't know, maybe when the pandemic uh, hit and the market started tanking or uh, at other times when there have been, you know, wobbles and volatility or, you know, fed shenanigans to deal with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I think Microsoft, like, you know, again, like, I feel that every day, like, you know, there are some things happen every day. Oh, wow. Like, is it really like, you know, can we do this? Can we continue? Like, you know, I feel that way, like every day, but, um, those pandemic stuff or like you know something that we don't have any control over. Um, I feel like, I th- I think like you know as a team, like you know you know I always believe that like you know we can figure something out. There's always the issue that we you know overcame, and uh, I've always felt comfortable with the team that you know we working with right now. You know we can solve something. You know we can come up with something, and you, we can always think outside the box to figure it out. Uh, so. So, you know, I've never felt that, you know, this is the end. Like, you know, this is the beginning. Now we have the problem that we can solve. Let's, you know, go for it.
0: Right. Well, I just want to play a very, very quick word association game with you. So uh, I'll say a a word or a phrase and you just give me a one word answer. So the first one is meme stock. Tesla. (laughs) SPAC. Uh,
1: Social leverage. Howard uh, Lindzen.
0: Crypto. Uh, crypto uh, doji coin okay (laughs) and then finally this is the uh final question i put to everyone who joins me on the fintech podcast Uh, and the question is this uh, what is the weirdest or craziest thing you've ever built or done in your life and uh, alpaca cannot be your answer
1: um i think that would be the this computer vision product that we built actually um so, like, you know, people are very excited about deep learning and deep neural nets. And people are thinking that, like, you know, it's a genius stuff. Like, you know, at least back in, what is that, like, you know, seven, eight years ago. And we built a web service that anyone can use deep neural nets by dumping in any computer, like, you know, JPEG files or PNG files that you have. And you can create deep learning AI model. I-, I think that's pretty crazy. I don't know what is that for. But at least I thought it was, like, very crazy stuff that we've built.
0: Uh Anything kind of non uh, kind of work or startup related? Ah, that's 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 a, that's
1: a, that's a in- interesting question. I've I've always think about like in work stuff, but um, I think like you know it's not it's not something that we built, but like you know I think the 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 like going back to the college, <clears throat> the really origination of like you know how we became who we are as uh, Alpaga's founders so uh hitoshi and i and also another founder who's now running the different company yuki has been the best friends uh from the basically 20 years ago uh since 20 years ago and we really remain very very you know good friends of course right now but like you know we firstly created this club or team that goes to public bath in japan and just you know um just keep going there and going to different places. And, you know, having the experience there that uh, has all the public buses a different kind of flavor in the um, atmosphere. And I think it's a very Japanese thing. And so I thought that is pretty crazy thing that nobody was interested, but like only three of us are very much interested. So I would mention that one
0: instead. <laughs> okay. Uh, at least we know that, uh, you know, you were very clean um, by the end uh, of it. So. That's all good. Uh, So look, uh, we're out of time, but uh, Yoshi Yokokawa, uh, co-founder and CEO of Alpaca, thank you so much for joining me on the Fintech podcast. Thank you very much, Elliot. Uh, it, It has been fun. Very much excited. Thank you very much for this. Likewise. You take care. Many of the founders we feature on the Fintech podcast have experienced failure at one point in time and then used the experience to build successful fintechs. Of course, as failures go, they don't get much bigger or more public than playing a role, albeit a small one, in the demise of Lehman Brothers and the global financial crisis. That Yoshi was able to dust himself down and pick himself up to build a successful fintech is testament to his determination, his ability to play to his strengths, and the benefits of being part of the Y Combinator Accelerator program. It's a story that should make you feel warmer and fuzzier than a Christmas alpaca jumper. So thank you, Yoshi Yokokawa, and thank you for listening to the Fintech podcast with me, Elliot Gottkin, now part of the Paris Fintech Forum Communities Programme. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you can get updates and listen to all previous episodes via the website, www.parisfintechforum.com. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback, you can find us on LinkedIn and on Twitter, at Paris Fin Forum, or at Elliot Gottkin. That's it from me. Thanks again to BPI France for sponsoring this podcast. We'll be back again next time for more of the best F in tech. Hope you join us again then. Bye bye.